0: Dearest Jacqueline, uh, so good to see you and thank you for agreeing to speak with me about uh, your own entrepreneurial approach to philanthropy, uh, but also about the role that impact investing and social entrepreneurship can play uh, in helping communities around the world to develop solutions to the acute and uh, often stubborn uh, problems that they face. I've always uh, admired that you've managed to um, seamlessly combine both entrepreneurialism and altruism. Uh, in the work that you do at Acumen, especially uh, in the patient capital approach to investing uh, that Acumen is so widely associated with. And that's one of the key things that I'd uh, very much like to talk with you about today. Jacqueline Novogratz is a truly wonderful founder and CEO of Acumen, uh, which turns philanthropic funds into investment capital and makes long-term investments in individuals uh, and early state uh, companies that are focused on addressing challenges associated with uh, poverty uh, through market-based uh, solutions. Fundamental to the work of Acumen is, of course, the idea that simply giving uh, money away isn't always uh, the best way to make a difference. By investing capital in change makers uh, and supporting them in other ways uh, to scale up uh, their operations, Acumen has created uh, a business model that's um, laser-focused on generating uh, sustainable and measurable uh, impact. And that's ultimately what strategic uh, philanthropy uh, is also about. Uh, Jacqueline founded uh, um, Acumen in, in 2001, I believe, and since then uh, it's invested over $130 million in more than 120 uh, social enterprises uh, in Africa, Latin America, South Asia, um, the United States, uh, Uh, And and today, Acumen um, uh, has investees and fellows in, I think, 18 countries uh, around the world. Jacqueline's also written a number of books, um, including the bestseller, great book, uh, The Blue Sweater, uh, and more recently, uh, her Manifesto for a Moral Revolution, which uh, contains 12 leadership practices for building uh, a better world. Dear Jacqueline, uh, as I mentioned uh, Your organization, Acumen, uh, has a unique uh, philosophy uh, and and a very sophisticated approach, I think, for evaluating social enterprises. I know that uh, you've done this a thousand times before, but for those who may not be uh, familiar with it, perhaps you can begin by explaining how you go about assessing whether a particular social enterprise is the right fit for Acumen.
1: Um, thanks, Potter, and it's always so wonderful to see you, and your introduction was just extraordinary, so thank you. Um, so, yes, while we are an investment vehicle, um, first and foremost, when we're identifying a social enterprise, um, we we go back to our, our basic principle, which is standing with the poor. And so, our first screen, if you will, is whether this enterprise is one that will specifically impact the lives of low-income people. Second, um, we then look at the entrepreneur. Does she have the vision and equally as important, the execution skills to scale up a company that can reach hundreds of thousands, if not millions of low-income people um, and long-term provide profits, um, profitability and returns to the investors? Um, We have come to realize that Thomas Edison's adage that vision without execution is hallucination is, holds very true. Um, and then third and foremost, Butter, uh, most importantly, we assess the character of the entrepreneur. Um, vision, self-awareness, a team, yes. Beyond that, if you are truly going to build a company where both markets and governments have failed low-income people, you need to have uh, a new set of leadership skills, listening. Um, what we would call the moral imagination, the humility to recognize the world that you are in while still holding to a vision that you will be building. The ability to partner across lines of difference, sometimes with entities you might consider your adversary. Um, And probably most important, the grit and resilience to do this work, not for a few years, but for many years. Um, You hit those three standing with the poor, the right vision and execution, and the character of the entrepreneur. And, um, and of course, there's lots of due diligence that looks like any other private equity firm. Um, and we make a decision to go, to go with it.
0: Beautifully said. And, and in your experience uh, at Acumen and elsewhere, um, how much variation is there in the ways in which uh, individuals and organizations Think about uh, and practice uh, philanthropy or social entrepreneurship in different parts uh, of the world. Are there any um, ironclad principles for generating impact that you think uh, or should be universal?
1: Hmm. Well, sure. I mean, we could we could talk all day, and you are are better at this than me, even in terms of. Um, the, the different technical differences that we see with philanthropy and approaches to philanthropy, um, whether there's a religious uh, impetus for giving or there is more of a societal impo- impetus, culturally, we see different mechanisms. But at the heart is the same human yearning to actually do good, um, to recognize that to whom much is given, much is indeed expected. Um, What excites me about this moment in history is that you're seeing two consistent trends across every culture in which we work, and that is that wealthy individuals are getting weary of traditional approaches, um, top-down approaches to charity that too often create dependency, and they're looking for opportunities to build dignity, allowing people not just choice and opportunity, but um, through mechanisms that are, in fact, financially sustainable. And that can, that connects then to the second big trend, which you already mentioned, which is that of social entrepreneurship. And I see that in every culture um, on the planet in which Acumen works. Um, using the tools of business to solve t- tough social problems um, and then finding the right kinds of capital to animate those businesses or nonprofits um, in ways that actually uh, succeed in solving problems.
0: And and one of the projects that uh, is being considered at the Center for Strategic Philanthropy is the creation of a philanthropy accelerator that could identify uh, promising philanthropic initiatives in the emerging markets and help these organizations to scale impact. Uh, You obviously have a lot of experience uh, in this area so, to what extent can you apply a traditional investment mindset to the evaluation of nonprofit or even charitable initiatives and organizations, uh, and 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 the scaling up of their um, of their operations? What's transferable about that process, uh, and what's perhaps not?
1: I love that question because, in many ways, better it's why I started Acumen in the first place. Um, A lot is transferable. And I also appreciate that you said for both nonprofit and for-profit entities, the more I do this work, the more ecumenical I feel about um, that the organizational structure isn't what is important. It is that it is the right organizational structure for the problem that you are trying to solve and that it is done in ways that are sustainable. Um, And so using an investment mindset is, is powerful. Number one, I've already said, most good investors know that the most important um, factor on which to bet is is the person, the people. Um, And so betting on character. Number two, to bring a a long-term rigor and discipline um, to the work that's being done. In business, it's easy because you have profit as your metric Uh, That's where it gets a little bit trickier in the social sector, and yet increasingly we're seeing metrics um, that do allow us to measure what we value, not just what we can count. And Acumen's work on lean data has been a real bonus for that. Um, Third, I would say um, there's an honesty in investment um, about failure and cutting losses um, as well as about seeing opportunities for collaboration consolidation mergers and we don't see that enough in the social sector. So those would be the three areas butter that I see enormous uh, transference from in traditional investing into um, social enterprise and for-profit and nonprofits. Where I think um, we could do a better job is that, um, Too often, philanthropists um, think that they're taking an investment approach. But in fact, when it comes to their philanthropy, they're short-term in their thinking. They think about programs. Um, While they want to bet on the person, they also want to determine the programs in which they will invest rather than giving unrestricted capital to the entrepreneur so that she can actually build an organization that can deliver real results. Um, And and third, because of the power dynamics that often exist in philanthropy, um, it's hard for social entrepreneurs um, often to talk about failure. And you'll hear conversations saying, well, you know, we're still doing a great job and we're learning from all of this. Um, almost avoiding the word like the plague. And that actually reduces uh, the real conversations. It reduces trust and reduces what's so critical, which is the kind of long-term relationship so that the philanthropist can be like an investor and help accompany the enterprise, um, ultimately to use not just their financial resources, but their social capital, Um, their access to other entities, to other philanthropists. And if we could shift in those directions, I think we'd have a much more productive sector.
0: Absolutely. So well put. And, you know, I've been asked a number of times, why um, did it make sense to have the center itself based in in the Judge Business School in in the University of Cambridge? And uh, quite simply, because um, I think both the for-profit and the non-profit world have so much more to have so much more to learn from each other than perhaps has been harnessed in the past, um, and you know, and, and it and it really is a two-way a two-way um, learning uh, curve, if you will, because uh, just as just as businesses or just as the non-profit world, I think, and the charitable world, if you will, the philanthropic space, let's say, has so much to learn from from business for, for all the reasons that you've just mentioned. I think businesses also, though, um, as and as more businesses uh, are more in tune with and aligned with their social purpose and their social output, um, there's so much that, that businesses can learn, of course, from the um, from from the um, uh, social uh, um, uh, investment space, if you will. Um, so it really is; it can be a, a much more uh, healthy symbiotic relationship. If you if we bring these bring these worlds closer to each other, they don't they don't need to merge. But I think that there's there's far more collaboration and and strong collaboration uh, that, uh, that that can be had by bringing them together.
1: Butter, I love that you said that because in many ways the world is very different today than when you and I were born. Um, we truly are interdependent, and and in this new chapter. We need to redefine our social contract, and both business and civil society are critical to that social contract, as is government. And so, this the the, the brilliance of what you're doing by bringing them together and recognizing that um, the focus on equality, the focus on the poor, and um, building community is something the world critically needs right now. Business has too often overlooked the poor, overlooked our responsibilities to the environment. And there's a recognition of that. And so if we're truly going to reimagine not only capitalism, but reimagine what it means to live in society with each other, then the work that you are doing in the of the center is indeed to speak about the different roles and the ways that business and the charitable sector can do much more um, in concert than either sector can do on its own.
0: Absolutely. So I'd like to go back to something you mentioned, uh, I think uh, in in response to um, uh, the first question around what makes uh, a uh, successful social enterprise, but more than the enterprise, the individual. And so that sort of goes to, I guess, skills. And uh, for at least two decades, you've been uh, involved in different ways in the training and mentoring of uh, philanthropists, social entrepreneurs, Uh, and the next generation of uh, social sector leaders. What do you think are the key skills that inspiring philanthropists or social entrepreneurs should seek to develop in order to give themselves the best chance of succeeding uh, in their chosen field? And finally, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about uh, leaving their own job on on Wall Street uh, today or the equivalent in their own country In order to pursue uh, a career uh, in the philanthropic sector, as you did yourself many years ago?
1: Um, So, as you said in your wonderful introduction, my book, Manifesto for a Moral Revolution, actually has 12 practices, and therefore 12 uh, skills which we think are essential. And the reason I wrote it in the first place was because when I think about those social entrepreneurs, that succeed not only in building companies, but in changing overall systems, it does come back to this set of skills and attributes. And um, I'll only choose a couple of them or a few of them um, so as not to talk too long. But um, I would say the, the most important is what I would call the moral imagination. Um, this idea that you do have the humility to see that you're working in really tough markets, often markets that are corrupt, full of bureaucracy, complacency, um, a status quo that you have to fight against. Um, and yet if you cannot hold on to the vision of what can be you, it will be almost impossible to develop the kind of grit and resilience that's needed and to get others to come on the journey with you to actually build the right kind of organization connected to moral imagination is listening, not just with your ears, but with all parts of yourself. Um, we're seeing too little of it in the world. The best entrepreneurs, particularly those that serve low-income populations, start by understanding how people see themselves, what their needs are, um, what their hopes are, so that they can actually build products and services that meet those needs um, in ways that people can value that and, and, and can afford. Um, third, I would say, Uh, the ability to hold opposing values in tension—that That is really hard right now because everywhere we, we look, people are standing on great certainty, whether it's business ideology versus government ideology, or if it's just more tribalism, like the kind we're seeing in the United States and other countries around the world. Um, Yet, The social entrepreneurs who have the character to realize that there's often, if not always, some small truth, even on the opposing side, um, are the ones that are more able to build partnerships between the private sector and government, are the ones that are able to go into communities from, though they may not have anything to do with them, and they may even be mistrusted when they first approach them, and actually gain that trust. And so opposing um, values. and Acumen, for us to be successful, we have to hold accountability and generosity. Um, It's sometimes an uncomfortable tension to hold. And then finally, I would say, um, you have to learn to tell the stories that matter. Storytelling is fundamental to fundraising. It is fundamental to changing mindsets. It is fundamental to finding followers and keeping them. And we do too little skill building for um, entrepreneurs of all sorts, particularly social entrepreneurs, around telling stories that matter, that change narratives and build momentum. Um, In terms of advice to a young social entrepreneur setting out, I would say, number one, um, see the myriad problems around us as opportunities waiting for you to solve them. And then um, go toward the ones that meet your deeper yearning. The Jesuits say, go to where your deepest yearning meets the world's great needs. Um, I would say, you see it, take a step forward toward it, just start, Um, be curious and follow your thread of curiosity. Um, and, um, And that gets you on the path once you have the courage to start um, and take a step on that path, the work will teach you the next place that you have to go, and um, and then the path begins to unfold. In some ways, uh, though, as you know, we have we're all about um, quantitative metrics and dollars and cents and building companies that serve millions. It's also the Sufi way. It is. Um, it's daring to seek the unknown and having the courage to believe in yourself and believing in a deep sense of purpose and letting that purpose guide you.
0: Beautifully said, Jacqueline. As always, uh, there's only one thing that I might add to that is, as as you started out by saying, um, uh, identifying problems, uh, also really uh, being disciplined about um, really understanding those problems and being rigorous about, um, understanding not just the nature of the problem, uh, but perhaps uh, the the different solutions uh, that might uh, that might exist, or that more or that might not exist, to go about trying to address and tackle that problem. Um, I love some,
1: that you, I love yeah. that, you said that butter. In, in a way, I was trying to go there by saying that the thread of your curiosity, because I think exactly. you're right. Exactly. Otherwise, it's just that hallucination again. It's a recklessness that you see something and then you think you know the answer. Um, that actually comes with arrogance, rather than having the humility to immerse and understand exactly. a problem and move from there. I really appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. If you have time for one further question, Jacqueline, and this is, uh, as you know, the center is dedicated to the study of philanthropy um, within the emerging markets, uh, within which is which are, uh, you know, the the uh, top thirty. Uh, fastest-growing economies in the world uh, uh, last year were all in emerging markets, and, and Acumen, of course, has a strong presence on, uh, on the ground in many of these countries. So in the work that you're doing in these parts of the world, are you witnessing a rise in the amount of philanthropic activity in, in general, um, and how do, you, how do you think the rapid rise of these economies uh, is changing conditions on the ground for, uh, for, for communities and social innovators in these markets?
1: I'm definitely seeing the rise both on the philanthropic side and in terms of social entrepreneurs. And I have always believed that the greatest innovation happens at the edges. And, um, and I've actually been giving speeches in the United States, Butter, where I've been talking about how we have to look to the emerging markets because it is here in areas that have traditionally been more resource scarce where we're seeing the greatest amount of innovation and innovation to solve our biggest problems like healthcare, like education, like access to electricity and improving agriculture. And I'm, I'm deeply heartened by that. We're not going fast enough, Barter. And um, because there is such a hunger about um, in the next generation to use the tools of business to solve these problems and, um, and they need the right kind of capital to match it. And so something that I'm thinking about and would love to work with you on and the center is how do we build momentum um, because the opportunities are so great. And I do believe that these are the, the markets for all of us who care about innovation and change and the poor and the environment um, to follow. Because at the end of the day, What we're really talking about, your work and mine, is to shift our definition of success from money, fame, power, to building systems that put our shared humanity and the sustainability of the earth at the center. The next generation understands that this is where we have to go. And it's to our generation to accompany them, support them and help them build this new world.
0: Jacqueline, you're awesome. And uh, this, you're brief awesome. Chat, th- this brief chat reminded me how much I cherish these conversations and I look forward to these conversations. And thank you so much for, for doing this. And I can't wait to repeat it in the hopefully not too distant future and in person. So thank, thank you, you once again.
1: In person, better Thank you for saying in person. I look forward to seeing you again very soon. And really look congratulations. forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you.